Please join me. If you have a Bible in your lap, of course, the text is going to be on the screen also. Matthew chapter 26, and we will beginning, be beginning in uh, verse 36. But let me do a reminder from last week. Matthew 26, 27, and 28 is one giant narrative. Now, on the one hand, and I'm speaking as a preacher, as a teacher, it's harder to preach and teach narratives than didactic material. It's wonderful in Romans where Paul says, here's the topic and here's what we're saying about it. A narrative is the events as they unfold. But what is so wonderful about the narrative portions of Scripture is we see the didactic material put in people's lives and being lived out. And what we see in Matthew 26, 27, and 28 is are many lessons for us that are taught to us by Jesus as he walks through this time of enormous testing. And let me simply uh, repeat, he is finished in chapters 24 and 25. We had the extended teaching, didactic, didactic material of the Olivet Discourse, what will take place at the end of the age. And then in 26, verse 1, now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these sayings, chapters 24 and 25, that he said to the disciples, you know that after two days is the Passover and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Why do they know it? Well, everybody knows, every Jew knows it's the Passover time, but he has been repeatedly telling them, I am going to go into the hands of my enemies I am going to be crucified, and on the third day I'm going to rise from the dead. Way back in chapter 16, following the event of Peter's confession on behalf of all the apostles, who do men say that I am? Well, some say you're Elijah, some say you're the prophet, some say you're... Who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, you are the Messiah, the anointed Son of David, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, wonderful. Got it right, Peter. You are Petras, a fist-sized stone, the masculine form of that word. And on this Petra, a rock of Gibraltar-sized stone, the feminine form of that word, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And oh, by the way, boys, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to be crucified. And then I'm going to rise. And they go ballistic. They go nuts. But Jesus quiets them down, and he has repeatedly told them this. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be raised. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be raised. And he repeats it here. And, fellows, it's going to happen now. It's going to happen now. And we saw last week... Jesus, and this is on Tuesday night of the final week, the pat what's called the Passion Week, Tuesday night of the Passion Week. They're in the home of Simon the leper. And a woman who is not identified 
they are reclining on divans around a table. They're, they're eating and probably have finished the meal. And this woman comes in and anoints Jesus' head with oil. Now, the same thing had happened about three days before. In that case, it was Mary, the sister of Lazarus, in the home of Lazarus. But she anointed his feet and wiped his feet with her hair. This woman is anointing Jesus' head. And the apostles are... <clears throat> that was an enormous fortune of oil. That was a year's wage. We could have sold that and given the money to the poor. I think the one leading the charge in that was Judas Iscariot because he had the money purse and he robbed it. But they're all in turmoil. And Jesus rebukes them and says, She has anointed me for my burial. They didn't want to hear that. She has anointed me for my burial. And wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world in the in the centuries to come, in the years to come, this will not be forgotten. This will be repeated and remembered. And then Judas Iscariot went out and sought out the Jewish leadership who have already, they've already initiated their conspiracy to capture and crucify Jesus, have him crucified at the hand of the Romans. Judas goes to the Jewish leadership in order to betray Jesus. And Jesus also in that room in that night says to the apostles, including Judas and Peter and everyone else, the shepherd, he quotes the Hebrew scriptures, the shepherd will be struck and the sheep will be scattered. That means, fellows, that when I am arrested, you will all run away. And they all throw a fit. Now, Peter is the one who's quoted. Peter is the one who apparently went a little higher over the top than the others. I will never deny you. I would rather die than deny you. And Jesus says to him, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows. And so that is the night. That is on... Uh, Actually, I got a little bit... That was ahead. That was the next night. They're actually in the upper room. They've had the Lord's Supper when Jesus tells the disciples they're going to deny Him. They're going to be scattered. And last week we got through uh, chap chapter 26, verse 35. Uh, Peter said to him, to Jesus, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples... Now, one of the things I mentioned earlier is that one of the benefits of, the, of a narrative passage is we get to see truth lived out. We get to see truth lived out. Je we will see Jesus living out truth. Jesus knows what is before him. The Hebrew Scriptures prophesied it. They have pierced my hands and my feet. They've given me vinegar to drink. They've cast lots for my clothing. He knows what's coming. Isaiah 53. All we disciples, all we people of Israel, all we people of the world, all we like sheep have gone astray. And the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. 
He knows he will fulfill what John the Baptist said of him. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the fulfillment of the Passover lamb picture. That's why the church never celebrated the Passover again. Because Jesus fulfilled that prophetic pattern picture that had been the annual celebration and event festival in Israel. He knows what's coming. And what does Jesus do? He says to his apostles, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be betrayed. You, in fact, are when I am captured, you're all going to flee. They deny it. But he is... But what is Jesus doing? The Jewish leadership is already, it says in the second verse of chapter 26, the Jewish leadership has already come together and they're planning to capture Jesus and do all these things that Jesus says ahead of time are going to happen. In fact, as we read through the narrative, it's pretty amazing. Jesus is the only calm fellow (laughs) in the whole process. Even when he's in the hands of his enemies, he's being Mr. Quiet subdued, confident, and he's allowing the process to take place. And as he is behaving in that way, and as he is walking in confidence in his God, because he knows what's on the other side of that cross is the resurrection, his enemies are, 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 are falling to pieces. Notice what it says in verse 36. Then then Jesus came with them. He's with his disciples going into the Garden of Gethsemane. Went to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, O Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Now listen to me. One of the things that people can misunderstand about Jesus going through the process of his illegal and unjust trial and his suffering and his crucifixion and everything that followed, they can get the impression that Jesus kind of walked through, oh, we're fine, you know. No! He knows the suffering that awaits him. He knows the suffering that awaits him in a way that we will never understand. Because there have already been, I would dare say, more than a million people who have been crucified at the hands of the Romans in the course of his history. That is bad enough. It was a deliberately, when the Romans crucified people, they did it in as public a place as they could, as painfully as they could. When people were crucified, they typically lived three or four days. And they were nailed to that cross, and it was as not only painful and prolonged, it was also as shameful as they could make it. And Jesus knew what awaited him. But what, uh, what had been the crucifixion experience of everyone else would be immeasurably surpassed by Jesus in the sense that while he is on that cross, he will cry out as 
quoting David, Psalm 22, 1, a thousand years before, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why? Because God the Father at that moment begins to judge God the Son for the sins of the human race. The invisible torture that fell upon Jesus at the hands of his Father. We will never grasp. That's what Jesus knew awaited him. That is why as he falls on his face in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, if it be possible, if there's any other way to solve the problem of, of human guilt, of human sin, please solve it some other way. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. I do not look forward to this. But not obeying my Father is something that isn't on my list. I, I, I will obey you. And he prays that three times. He rises having prayed that once, goes back to his disciples. He say, please watch and pray with me, and they're asleep. What, could you not bear with me one hour? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went back and prayed again. And then when he returned th- another time, again, they're asleep. And he says, rise, rise, wake up, boys. My enemies have come. And this is when, led by Judas Iscariot, the band of soldiers from the temple, these are not Romans. These are Jewish temple guards. Verse 47, 26, 47, And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude, with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one that sees him. They don't have photography in those days. Most of these men have never seen Jesus. To be a temple guard, that was a t- sometime thing. And so, this is how you will know who the, re- the person is you're after. Whomever I kiss, he is the one sees him. Immediately, he went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And kissed him. But Jesus said to him, Friend, why have you come? Friend. Friend. Who's he being betrayed by? A friend. Friend, why have you come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And suddenly one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. But Jesus said to him, Put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my Father and He will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? A legion was 6,000. 72,000 angels. I can call 72,000 angels if I want. 
How then could the scripture be fulfilled that it must happen thus? In that hour, Jesus said to the multitudes, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple. These are temple guards. He was there in their temple day after day. And you did not seize me. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled, just as he had said. And those who had laid hold of Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and elders were assembled. Now, there are actually two high priests, Annas and Caiaphas. Annas is the father-in-law of Caiaphas. And Annas had offended the Romans in previous times, and so he got removed from his position as high priest and totally contrary to the law of Moses, his son-in-law, Caiaphas has been made the high priest. By the way, this is also at night. According to Jewish law, no trial is to take place at any time except in the daylight hours. Every single bit of what takes place here is against the law. And they lead him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed.